Selling a little or a lot? Shopify helps you do your thing however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage. All the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is there to help you grow. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Get a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash work. Shopify.com slash work. The Chaser Report is recorded on Gadigal land. Striving for mediocrity in a world of excellence, this is The Chaser Report. Hello, I'm Charles Firth and welcome to The Chaser Report. And today we have very special guest, Henry Naylor, renowned playwright and also complete uh, sort of dickhead, really. <laughs> With the emphasis on the latter more than the former, I think, yeah, but yes. Now, Henry is based in England. He... Uh, is uh, has had a long career writing satires dating back to like um, Alas Smith and Jones and not the nine o'clock news. Really classic sort of uh, comedy is where he started. Yeah, and Spitting Image is my my big one. I mean that was I thought that was something I mean, as a satirical man yourself. I mean I think uh, that was one of my favourite shows to do. It was great writing about the week's politicians on a Tuesday and, and putting it on air on a on a weekend and sort of being able to see your work that quickly. Because I think one of the problems with, with TV is um, very often you write something in uh, March and it goes out in November and you, mm. you've no idea what you're trying to achieve. But well, there's something beautiful about immediacy of, of doing Spitting Image, which uh, I'm sure you chaser boys know all about. Yes, indeed. But so I should probably explain. The reason why we got Henry on was because... When I first reached out to him, Liz Truss was about to become Prime Minister and I thought, why don't we get somebody on who can tell us about this new Prime Minister, it'll be perfect, we can talk about it. But by the time we've actually recorded this interview, not only has Liz Truss, uh, you know, been Prime Minister, she's also no longer Prime Minister, which uh, is, is a bit of a problem. I know. So what happened to her? Nobody knows. She's just crawled into a hole somewhere and disappeared. I mean, it's absurd, isn't it? We've had three prime ministers and two monarchs in the space of um, two months. You you know, it's an amazing, ridiculous football score. You know, I'm sure sort of like, you know, no doubt Charlie will pop his clogs by the end of the year and we'll get get three of each. And uh, I I don't know. And also sort of, the the public is just so confused mm. about what's going on. I mean, I think we're almost a bit weary about it all now. I mean, there's the, one of the most extraordinary things that's happening today is is that um, there is uh, that the former House Secretary, the House Secretary who, who worked under Boris, who is accused of basically mm. being so neglectful that eighty thousand people died unnecessarily in his career in in his uh, under his charge. Yeah, well. He was he was finally. Not because of what he did, but because he was caught snogging his researcher well, inside yes. um, inside uh, parliamentary offices, and people like were saying, "Oh, he didn't practice social distancing, so therefore he should be sacked." And now he's going on, "I'm a celebrity, what? get me out of here!" And everybody uh, and the Tory party have finally got off their bum and they've sacked him as an MP for going on that show. They didn't 
care at all when 80,000 people were dying under his charge. The thing that got them really mm. exercised and really made them shove him out the door was when he sort of made on the show where he's going to be forced fed testicles. Right. You know, frankly, I think more Tory MPs should be doing that and we, we'd find them more endearing if they, they, were, they were made to sort of... Um, yeah, now, I, I kind of think British politics, this, it, correct me if I'm wrong, but my read on British politics is everyone lives in the shadow of Margaret Thatcher. So everyone's trying to sort of out-mean Margaret Thatcher, and she was really mean. And <laughs> and so that's what Liz Truss did. Is she came in and sort of said we're just going to hate the poor. <laughs> I, I, I mean, but all the Tories keep still keep trying to claim a legacy and that's one of the things that Liz trusted she was like she she was like saying oh well we need to cut taxes that's what Margaret Thatcher did and uh, you, you know Thatcher right whether she did it well or not believed it very much in like the uh lower middle class worker uh and the merit and the meritocracy and cutting taxes to help people improve themselves but Liz Trust just did it in an in, in utterly insane way. She just sort of said, right, we're, we're going to cut taxes, even though we've got this huge debt because of COVID. And everybody just went, no, I can't do that. So, so we hoofed her out. Uh, but, yeah, so she should be in the, the jungle eating mm. tarantula. Testicles. <laughs> having snakes shoved in her ear. Uh, you, you know, <laughs> she can get them all out there. So I've noticed British Prime Ministers have an enormous... Speaker fees on the international circuit. Like Tony Blair, I think makes three hundred thousand pounds per speech. I'm just wondering, like, is that what Liz Trust now does? Like, what does she do now that she's sort of an ex Prime Minister of Britain? I mean, even though she was just there for about three seconds. <laughs> when I was Prime Minister, uh, I went to the Queen's. Yeah. So it's like yeah, a three-minute speech, is it? It's a three-second speech, just like a prime minister. <laughs> I think it's funny, though. Well, I mean, a lot of these politicians, once they've left power, they seem a lot more reasonable. I mean, sort of like I, I went to see Tony Blair do a lecture recently. And, it, and the, 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 there's a kind of sadness there because, like, I think had he not done the Iraq war, he would have gone down quite a good yeah. prime minister. I mean, apart from I the think. war crimes, he was great. Uh, but was such a big error. It was such a massive mistake that, that that's all people about him. Uh, and, and it's similar with, with David Cameron. I mean, sort of David Cameron, uh, uh, who he not fucked that basically did the Brexit vote. I think he was, he was very complacent and very arrogant. I think he kind of thought he didn't have to do anything. He would win it. Uh, and so he didn't really campaign much for Brexit. And, and that has been immensely damaging for Britain. And so people are saying he's one of the worst prime ministers ever. Mm. You know, I, I mean, the bizarre thing about Liz Truss is she made her major mistake as the very first thing she did when she came into office. Yeah, well, I suppose that <laughs> saves know, time. And five years of, of doing uh, and more of, of doing uh, more sensible policies. So but, yeah. From over here, from our perspective on England, you sort of see, you see these images of lorries lined up at Dover yeah. trying to get in. To what extent do you think Brexit is actually part of this whole problem? The reason why you've had this sort of cascade of different prime ministers is because Brexit... Yeah, I know. It, it, I think people feel like... That politicians feel like they can't say it because that is what the public wanted and they feel like they can't say to the public, you got it wrong. But on, on a micro level, you, you know, just going into the supermarket now, 
um, you can really feel the difference because like it used to be going to the supermarket and every single shelf was stocked. Now it's like when COVID was on, there's certain things are missing. So you go there at my, my local supermarket around the corner, there's sort of things that like I went in yesterday, there's no noodles on the shelves. And people aren't acknowledging this. This is just, just it's taken as part of the fabric of everyday life. But it, it's like visiting uh, mm. the Soviet Union back in the, back in the 80s when they had food shortages. You think, when are people going to make the connection? Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too, like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems it's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit betterhelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P. The Chaser Report. Less news, more often. I mean, to what extent are we seeing the actual collapse of a, a Western capitalist democracy. You know, to what extent is this the end for Britain? Uh, I don't know. I mean, sort of Britain is remarkably resilient from that point of view. We'll probably invade some foreign country and uh, <laughs> colonise them, which is what we've done for the past 200 <laughs> years. Not done anything useful ourselves. We've just nicked it. Yeah, you, should, you should reinvade um, India. Uh, That's what you should do. Uh, reinvade India. <laughs> Yeah, I'm going to just secretly sneak in there and try and try and do it. I don't know. You get a better cricket team out of it. I mean, isn't there a point that actually, like, England's going to be left on its own, and and you know, Ireland's going to join as one and join back in the EU? Even be that, and sort of, you know, there's even in England itself, you know, people in London are saying like, all right, we don't want Brexit. The rest of the country did. So can we be our own state? I mean. I don't know. It's going to it's going to turn into like Italy was in the eighteen hundreds. It's going to be all these little principalities and stuff like that. Uh, I don't know. It's very very sad. I mean, sort of. There's a feel. There's always been a feeling in England though that that when it comes to Scotland, it, I think English people, rightly or wrongly, feel that we're propping up the Scottish economy. And Scotland have always gone, they think that they are propping up the English economy. They're saying, oh, we've got all the gas and we've got all the oil. And I think sort of, you know, the value of gas and oil might become more diminished within the next 20 years, you know, if, if, if we do generally shift towards alternative fuel. So I mean, it's going to be interesting, isn't it? Because like, Frankly, with the Australian desert, you will be the new Saudi Arabia if we, if we finally learn how to turn, turn the heat and the sun into genuine genuine sort of uh, energy solution. Now, I just want to change topics a little bit uh, to talk about a different story. You might not have heard about it over there, but um, you know Queen Queen Elizabeth? Uh, she she died um, recently. No. It's such a... Uh, I'd be very intrigued to hear what you think from an Australian perspective here, because the, the, the Republican debate has kind of gone quiet over here. When it, when it immediately happened, there were a few people like saying, well, she's, you know, that's it for the royal family. In the last few weeks, I think maybe because all these other things are happening, uh, that debate's disappeared. I think that, that one, of the th one of the, an interesting theory I heard about Liz Truss was, though, and one of the reasons why she didn't survive very long, was that belief 
was was people were blaming it on the queen effect uh people in britain felt very destabilized after she died she was kind of like a fixture a certainty she was kind of uh, um and i think over here uh, I mean, I was bizarrely affected about it. I mean, I'm—I I'm, would say I'm—I'm I'm almost a Republican. I, I don't—I don't really care, really, to be honest. But but sort of. But when, when she passed away, it just it just felt like th th there is so much invisible propaganda. Her face is on every single coin, on every single stamp, on every single banknote, um, and. To how, and for that to suddenly go, that's all I've ever known. I'm 56. That's all I've ever known is this figure in the background. And she's always been protected. And I think she always did seem to have um, a dedication to, to duty. When, when she passed away, even, even sort of Republicans over here were, were like saying, well, she gave it her best shot. She was committed to it. Uh, and she spent her life dedicated to service. Whether that institution should exist or not is a different different question. But she she did probably about as well as you can do, given the circumstances. And and she 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 tried her best. And so there was a lot of sadness. And, and, and on the radio phone-ins over here, people were phoning up in tears and stuff like that. And 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 I, I, I went to have a look at the flowers outside um, in Green Park, and there were. There were just loads of them. And people had made a real effort. They'd done all these carefully done drawings of her and holding hands with Prince Philip and, and sort of Paddington Bear. And, and people, I, th I think, I think living in London in a sort of like amongst a liberal arty farty elite, you kind of forget what people feel like in the provinces, I think. People were genuinely, genuinely moved by her. And again, I think sort of like there's a lot of people from the armed services had turned up and they'd laid flowers down and they'd sort of, you know, I think sort of it, it gives your life meaning, I think, if you are serving this figurehead of the country who represents the country, if you're a serviceman. And so their love for the Queen was something that I, I, I personally find quite hard to understand as a sort of like a cynical satirist i think uh yeah it, you, you know so so it, it's quite it was quite eye-opening to get a gauge of what the nation really is i don't know if that was the same in australia it was the same i mean sort of like do people feel sad about it or were people going right let's move on let's have a yeah republic. well the support for the republican movement plummeted about 10 points in the immediate aftermath but i think i think also really? what then happened was um, like there was just I wasn't here luckily I was overseas uh, for those three weeks but apparently it just got just incredibly boring like just the ABC had wall-to-wall -wall coverage of the Queen is still dead the Queen is still dead um, and yeah so I think after a while I don't think it will dent the Republican movement long term <laughs> I met her once Charles I met her when I was uh uh Nine years. Well, I mean, I'll tell you what, if you, they would have made a one-hour documentary on the ABC over here if you'd met her. That's, that's far less tenuous than most of the people they interviewed. What happened? <laughs> well, she, she slagged out. Uh, well, what, what happened was, on her Jubilee in 1977, this is me showing my age, she did a big tour of Britain uh, and she went round a lot of local communities. And one of the things she did was 
she came to Barnsley, where, where I'm from, which is a sort of fairly grim northern town. And we were told she was coming. And so they got all the kids in the area to paint her this sort of Bayou Tapestry style mural. And I was nine years old and, and, and the, 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 there were older kids there, about 16 and stuff like that. And they obviously took control of it. And there'd been a display on the Thames, a sort of a, a, where they had a flotilla or, or sort of like a boat display. And one of the things that happened on the Thames was they had a giant inflatable man lying on his back and said, yeah, well, the Queen was at this event, so she'll definitely remember it we should paint this floating man in the Thames. <laughs> so we painted this thing and it looked like a suicide victim. <laughs> and the Queen sort of came past and you're not meant to talk to her, are you? So, so she kind of walked past me and I was in a bit, a bit, a bit, in a bit of a huff because she'd ignored me. And then she just took one look at this picture and she said in this really confused voice, she went, what is it? <laughs> I'm not sort of, I was elbowing this 16 year old out of the way and said, there's a floating man in the Thames. Do you remember? And she went, no. <laughs> Henry, uh, we're going to have to leave that there, but we've got our scoop. <laughs> you had a brief interaction with the Queen 40 years ago. That is, that's a huge news, especially out here for the ABC. Um, we'll catch up with you again next time you have a Prime Minister, which I think will be pretty soon. Who do you think will be the next Prime Minister after Rishi Sunak? No, it might be my turn. Yeah, probably uh, is. probably my go, yes. isn't it? I don't know. I've not... I, I yes. don't know. It's somebody. I've got a lot. Oh, well. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, well, next time, next time, um, yeah, we'll we'll invite you back, Prime Minister Henry Naylor. Uh, thank you very much. <laughs> Our gear is from Rode Microphones, and we're part of the Acast Creative Network. Catch you tomorrow. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for fifty to eighty percent less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.